Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. After probably our longest break during this season so far, we have news for you as well as a recap of the Giro dell'Emilia where two big guns the two big guns of Slovenian cycling Primoz Roglic and Tadej Pogacar went head to head but the race was precipitated by Primoz Roglic announcing his departure from Jumbo Visma we're going to recap the race first and then we're going to dive all into that announcement including what teams he could be possibly going to why this is happening uh, especially after the bombshell dropped in Vila Flitz by Kirchhoff's last Sunday. But the Parkour for Giro Emilia, you should know it by now. It's a lovely little Italian race the week before Giro de Lombardia, 206Ks. It's like the E3 of the Italian classics, <laughs> um, Carpi to Bologna San Luca, and it has four or five repetitions of the San Luca climb, which is used all the time. It's 2.1Ks, 9.4%, but there's steepest sections in there, uh, like 12 and a half, 15% sections. Uh, Froome on Barlow World stalled on this climb. Roglic has won many times, both in the Giro and this race. And the stylist was good, Benji. UAE brought a super team here. They weren't messing around. Exactly. Ayuso was in this race. Pogacar was in this race. We had next to him, Adam Yates also in this race. We had an entire team, Jay Vine, Ulisi supporting them. And honestly, with that start list, they were the head-on favorites, even though... Obviously, Roglic was good at the Vuelta, so I was just mainly curious to see that Roglic versus Pogacar in the same race since the first time since the Tour de France 2022, the Granons? No, was it the Granons stage or was it a few stages later where Roglic dropped out? A few days later, I think. He did. He still did uh, like the Puy-Marie-style yeah. stage, remember? Exactly. But anyway, the stage did not start with the big action. We had a breakaway of like eight riders, but... In the end, when I started watching, it was just before the actual local San Luca climb started, where they had two riders left, Scaroni and Mattia Baez, and they were about to get caught. One quick note, Astana and Eolo's shirt, they look like teammates for the first-time viewers of this race, 100%. But anyway, they got caught at the first San Luca climb, and on that San Luca climb, and on the next one, you've got these, like, early moves. So on the first one, Osorio and Pacher were attacking. Osorio, I reckon that's the, the dude that left Bahrain or something. Is that that guy? I see the team. Alejandro Osorio on GW Shimano. I reckon. Yeah, it is. that's him. That's him. That's him. <laughs> what happened again? Dude, look at his PCS profile. It's just a grayed out um, MS Paint gray jersey. What's going on here? <laughs> you all got to see this. If you're listening to this, go to Pro Cycling Stats and look up Osorio. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, he moved over to Europe and I think had some. he struggled adjusting. He's gone back to Colombia. And frankly, dominated their um, their national circuit, and he's got a, a a second chance at Shimano Sidomek. But yeah, he um he's very talented. But yeah, okay, that's him. He's back. <laughs> yeah, he was in there, Pacher as well. And Michael was already setting pace on this first San Luca climb, so they're trying to make it hard. And that happens on the next one as well, where Harper has already attacked, also in the same way Pacher and Osorio have. But all these attacks will eventually lead to nowhere because UAE is controlling them. 
After Micah on the next one, on the next Sanluka climb, we've got Vine controlling. So that's early for riders like this, but that's also because their team consists of riders of this quality. Yeah. Were you surprised that Ulysses was used after Micah and Vine? No, because Ulysses is so good in this sort of race. Yeah. I know he's maybe not as good as he once was, but he's he's really good in these sort of races and maybe Vine and like, I don't know what Micah's shape is like, frankly. The yeah. question mark I had was, Ayuso, we've seen him at San Sebastian after the, or before, you kind of, you either get really good or you get nothing out of him. And so yeah. that's the risk when, as you say, they're cycling through these riders quite early, setting a hard pace, and it kind of hinges on Ayuso being the third last man, because Ulysses can't do second last that hard, he can do third last San Luca, but unless you want to use Yates too early... Ayuso's going to have to pull. Um, but yeah, there was also descent attacks off Vine's pacing. Aliotti full sent it. Don't know if he's a local to the Bologna area. He looked like he knew the roads well. Went past yeah. Masnada. Crazy speed. Especially as there's filtered sun on this descent. So you're going in and out of sun and shade. It'd be really difficult to see properly. Uh, but UAE keep it locked down. There's like no flat in this circuit. It's a really, really hard circuit. Get to the second last climb. What, who led into the base? Was it Ulysses of the second last? Or was, are you uh, so when, gone already? When it comes to the second last one, I did not see Ayuso in this race properly. I swear yeah. I barely saw him do anything in this race. And it was Yates that really launched it on the second last San Luca. This is with 12 kilometers to go. Already with Pogacar in the wheel. And this is where we see the group basically deteriorate. Because when Adam Yates goes to the front, I swear it even took a second for Pogacar to get in his wheel. It kind of was like the kind of pacing where it was so hard. Pogacar was kind of like, oh. Got out of my tempo and get to his wheel. Well, and he let his wheel go initially, group. no? Did he? I think so. And then, and then Baggioli went to it. And then Pog was like, all yeah. right, one rider's yeah. gone. One rider's gone. I'm closing it down. I was like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I thought, geez, you don't want to let that gap open up. Because Pog's <laughs> basically let Baggioli, no offense to the man, but he's not beating Yates here. Like, yeah. Adam Yates showed at Montreal he's a different level this year on the, in these one-day races. He's brilliant. And I was like, you're going to bring, for the sake of Bagioli, Roglic, mm -hmm. Carapaz, Mas, who beat you last year, back to the wheel. Answer was yes. And then after that one attack from Yates, it was clear, Benji, that the plan was Adam Yates was going to make the race from maybe 80% of the second last climb to the descent, the middle flat section, and as much of the last climb as possible, Adam Yates was going to make the race as hard as possible for Pogaccio. And the thing that is, you are making basically... It kind of reminds me of the Tour de France 2020, the way Jumbo rode. As in, they rode the races as if Roglic was the strongest. And I feel like he rode the race today as if Pogacar was definitely 100% going to be the strongest. Which, with Pogacar, there's a solid chance of that. Yeah. But after the Vuelta with Roglic's form that we saw in Anglido, I also wouldn't be saying that he was going to be weak here today. So, it's kind of like, wouldn't a dual leader strategy using Yates differently have helped them get a better result. And also, this is a 200-kilometer race, not a 260-kilometer race. Yeah. This is the perfect climb for Roglic. He is like a steep bit of a wall where he doesn't attack, and then a 30-second burst on a climb that's about six to seven minutes. I'm not even sure Poggy... Like, anyway, the level is extremely close between the two of them to the point where the assumption that Pogaccio will definitely be better is a hopeful assumption. He might be. Pogaccio 90% of the time is the best. But as you said, like I was surprised 
especially after the Tour de France, that they didn't let Yates have a go. But um, Lombardi is a different story, obviously, to this. So, yeah, Yates yeah. just paces. Everyone's suffering. There's no attacks, really. Uh, maybe Ciccone tried to crash himself on the descent, I think. <laughs> the attacks are basically backwards because yeah. we see that group of like eight and nine riders form and it's like Adam Yates, Pogacar, Carapaz looking really good today, El Hoga, Hagwar de Tulkan, almost ruined that. Enric Mas in there as well, Vlazov, Rogla, we have got Woods and then Sam Yates holding on for dear life and Ciccone is in there as well and it wasn't really on the descent, it's on the uphill, we saw Ciccone try and move past and try and make a bit of an attack on the side but Mas was then making it wider or something or or was that Vlazov on the last climb that might have been no Vlazov that was on the, the last, last climb. climb there's a little yeah, yeah. dipper after the yeah, yeah, yeah. um where i think Ciccone tried to get a jump yeah. it's it's not in the finish but yeah yeah it's just shut everything down and you could see carapaz was literally there's a shot where he's just shaking his head in the wheel like hold this pace is so hard and Oh, I dropped out again, which means the Pogaccio must have been feeling good. And maybe to have an analogy from my internet, just having a short circuit, I wonder if the heavy pace of Yates is the best thing for Pogaccio, uh, especially two climbs out, because they get to the final climb and he attacks. After Yates has pulled off, he attacks. Uh, or maybe Vlasov tried to follow the moto first, I can't remember. And... Yeah, it, he doesn't get that instant separation, Benji. It's not like uh, like I knew when when Carapaz was able to follow mm -hmm. for quite a while. It's like this can't be, you know, completely dominant form. Normally yeah. he attacked. Like uh, let's look at Puita Dome. Puita Dome. He went bang. Like the gap to Simon Yates and everybody just huge. And then Vingegaard was actually quickly cracking. This wasn't the same sort of power, I don't think. Um, and Rolich, but Rolich, he kind of looked bad, didn't he? He had me bluffed a little bit. There was this moment where Pogaccia looked back and there was a grimace on Roglic's face at 1.3 kilometers to go. And I was like, did he just grimace on purpose or did he just grimace because it's hard? I generally couldn't tell. And I didn't really count him out necessarily because Pogaccia also looked like he was suffering. So I felt like everybody in the group was suffering. Vlasov was the one that looked the best of them all at that point, but I didn't believe that was going to last for long. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he had no grimace on his face, but... <laughs> Soon he would. <laughs> I mean, good on him, but attacking, being the first to attack a group of Pogaccio Roglic is yeah. um, it's ambitious. <laughs> I love the confidence, <laughs> but it's ambitious, I think. Um, the thing is, I, yeah. when Adam Yates went off the front, it was sudden, but that move of Pogacar, like you said, was there. It was kind of like everybody, there were three people at the same time attacking, it felt like. Yeah, and we it was it was front on shot as well, so you couldn't really yeah. see who was going quicker. Pog was going the quickest at that point, I think. Um, definitely, like the people we thought that could win this race was very quickly narrowed down to Pog, Carapaz, and Roglic because Mas yeah. Mas can't win the sprint, and if he's getting gapped on this burst here, it's unlikely he's going to be able to come back, gap them against, keep them gapped. So El Hagla, as you said, was looking really, really good. I saw him riding past with the boys on my way back from somewhere two days ago. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot Carapaz because he crashed out of the TDF stage yeah. one. Um, and maybe he's, he's having a good tilt at a Lombardia next weekend. But, um, yeah, 
Poggy doesn't get any separation. He's not going to just pull with, with Roglic in the wheel. Carapaz throws in an attack once uh, Ciccone and Mars and Yates have come back. Simon Felipe, that is. And Poggy shuts it down with, with Rog in the wheel. And you, I think in overall, Pogaccia has better tactics than maybe Roglic. I'm talking in like a class, a, a cobble classic or something yeah. in high, high picture breakaway formation maybe. Mm -hmm. But in the last minute of a race, there's almost no one more cool than Roglic. Yeah. Like he was, not he was not closing Carapaz down. No way. Pogaccia had to do it and then he was going to strike. Exactly, because like on paper, Roglic might not trust his himself against Pogacar in a 1v1 sprint, but if he knows that he can put Pogacar under pressure by forcing Pogacar to close someone else, knowing that Pogacar is less patient than Roglic, because I think that's pretty clear from the races we've seen this year. We saw it at Tireno, for example. We saw it in multiple stages in Tireno. I'm pretty sure that we saw him being patient there. We saw it in Catalonia, where he was yeah. pretty damn patient the Wheel of Remco a few times. So... It's throughout this year that Patience has really helped him get victories, also because he knows that Patience in good moments can lead to those victories if you force others to do the work instead. And we see the burst coming. We see the burst coming. It happens. It kind of feels like it wanted to happen twice. As in, before Roglic launches, he moves, and he's kind of blocked in. And I swear, 50 minutes later, he tries to make the same move again, and that's where he makes his actual attack. Between 500 to 400 meters to go is my actual guess. Maybe a bit less. It maybe was a bit less? It, it was maybe 30 seconds. Um, yeah. Because they're still going uphill. But yeah, you see Poggy doesn't immediately get back to the wheel. And if you remember when... Because these two have barely raced against each other. If you remember, if you go back to the Tour de France like 2020, when Poggy's yeah. good, he's straight in that wheel. And he wasn't straight in the wheel. And Roglic just rips open this gap. And he just does this smooth sprint the whole way and wins Giro dell'Emilia comfortably for how many yeah. times he won this race? The third time he won it in 2021 and 2019, gapping Pagaccia in the finish, who came second, then Simon Felipe, third, Enric Mas, fourth, Woods, fifth for Israel, Vlasov, sixth, Carapaz, seventh, probably deserved a bit better than that on his actual shape. Uh, Ciccone, eighth, Adam Yates, ninth, and then Bargui rounding out the top 10 for Arkea Sanzik. And what does this mean for what does this mean, Benji? To be honest, for Pog in Lombardia, you can't you can't fool me. <laughs> you can't fool me. Enric Mars beat him here last year. He's yeah. still the favourite for Lombardia. That's how it is. The race gets longer. He you know, it's his peak event next week. Of course he wanted to win. He's not here to just play around. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I don't this doesn't make me think Pog is going to be bad for Lombardi. It does make me think, despite all the drama which we're going to get into and coming off the Vuelta, it does show that Roglic's shape is good for yeah. Lombardia. 100%. Certainly is good for Lombardia. The thing is, it's also with Lombardia that they change parkour every year. So it's from like Como to Bergamo and then the other year it's from Bergamo to Como and it's, it's now the really, uh, the rather mountainous parkour is how I describe this, this year's version where last year's version was maybe... 85% as mountainous as this year's version. That's a pure guess from the profiles in my head. So let's hope I'm not completely off here. But I agree that Pogac is probably still favored, knowing that he's also done that years before where he wasn't that good at Emilia. And then he showed up when it really matters at Lombarda, even though Emilia still a pretty good race. It's a, well, he came a second race, last year. But 
Exactly. Exactly. And I reckon uh, we've had the same conversation multiple years actually on the yeah. podcast before. So it's not just uh, not just this year, but I guess that's about it for Amelia. It's it's always a race where it's a pro race, but in reality, it's got a world tour start list. And that's what's been what's so frustrating in previous years. The coverage of this has normally not been international. They've only had in, uh, Italian domestic broadcast, and they have this golden start list. It's yeah, been brutal. This year it was actually on GCN Eurosport, and maybe it was on other uh, elsewhere, but I could actually watch it legally, no problem. So that was brilliant. Um, and they even had the split screen. So PMG, who I think Luke said still has it, they figured out the whole split screen. Um, <laughs> maybe Luke's, Luke's doing a bit of part-time work there. I don't know. He's the only person that does split screens because ASO and RCS haven't figured out the old split screen yet. Um, but yeah, that was good. If albeit sometimes <laughs> the irony is the split screen was unnecessary because they were showing the attacker, whoever it was, maybe Harper, but you could see the peloton in his actual shot because yeah. it was so yeah. close on the climb. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a lovely little race. It's kind of a mountain sprint. Could it have been a bit more open? That was up to UAE. They went for the sort of more conventional strategy. Didn't pay off this time. Uh, but we'll see in, uh, in Lombardia next week. We'll have our preview, obviously, on probably Wednesday because the Italian classics are always on uh, Saturday because Sunday is for mass. Uh, alrighty, Benji. Time to get in the, into the big news. Before yes. this race kicked off, in a flash interview for... Um, yeah, in a flash interview before the race got uploaded to YouTube and then is used by... By the broadcasters, Roglic was asked as part of that, just a third last or the last throwaway question. Oh, yeah, by the way, what's been going on with the, the merger news? And he said, uh, I can definitely confirm that I will be leaving the team, but we want to tell all the details after the races that I'll do. So that means the details of where he's going will be after Lombardia. We thank you as pro podcasters. That means we get two podcasts for the price of one because we can do a podcast reacting to the team announcement in a, in a week and a half. So thanks for that. Um, but this is, is news, Benji, but it's kind of been, this has been in, not almost beyond a rumor, like for the last yeah. week or so. Certainly it's, it started quite a bit ago, as in, I feel like there's been plenty of like conversations about Roglic potentially leaving over the last few years, but nothing with real substantial evidence behind it, in my opinion. And then, we really saw that intensify the feeling of who Roglic might actually be looking for the exit during La Vuelta, during stage 17, the young Lulu stage, and the whole conversation of Roglic wanting to race for the victory, and then eventually the team deciding um, that they wanted for uh, Sepkus to win the race. And maybe that internally would also cause some issues. Maybe that changes his view on where he wants to ride in the future. He wants that sole leadership, maybe. But it's also before that, I reckon, like, if you look at the Giro, for example, this year, he wrote that, then he didn't write a Tour de France. What is the story behind that? But to really picture a full story here, I think we need to go back to the entire start of Roglic and, and Lotto and El Yumbo at the time. Eh? Those are the, the old days. And I, I recall him riding at Adria Mobile, winning, was it on the... Azerbaijan against Horna. Also, but also on the <laughs> Tricrilia or something climb in Slovenia. Oh, yeah. I recall something like that. He was picked up the year after, was it 2016, to join, uh, yeah. to join Lotto and El Yambo. And let's be honest about it. 
the history of the team at that point after Rabobank basically fell, they jumped into, I don't know, Blanco, I think the team was called at a certain year, Belkin in a different year, they didn't have the greatest years during those years. And it was really Grunewagen and Roglic that kickstarted the team's success again in 2016, 2017. I think Grunewagen had 11 victories in 2016 when Roglic joined. Roglic already started winning at the top level in that year because was it in 2016 where he had the initial time trial at the Giro showed up in On this very climb, no? That's later. That's 2019. Oh, okay. I time trial where Dumoulin barely beat him in the initial time trial. And then there was another time trial that he straight up won, a 40-kilometer time trial. Roglic kind of came out of, for many people, mainstream viewers, nowhere. He's obviously was building up to that point. But he really hit the, the big steps at that point. But that was as a TT rider. We saw him solely as a TT rider then. And I feel like it, it then evolved over the course of two Tour de France's before he was really doing GCs, right? Yeah, he wasn't you know, just crushing um, stage races straight out of the gate, particularly on longer climbs. Uh, maybe he was carrying sort of some more muscle from his previous sport. He did win in 2017, yeah, that stage uh, in Cerf Chevalier, which was, I think, a solo. So, yeah, it was... He's already winning Tour de France stages for Jumbo Visma, who in 2015, I think, won five or seven races, then... You know, that's over 20 races in 2017, I think, with, you know, those those <laughs> tour stages. So, yeah, it, yeah. He, as you said, he was crushing TTs, like Romandy, ZLM, uh, Pays Vasco. But in Pays Vasco, he came fifth that year, and then it just intensified with uh, winning, like, all these uh, one-weekers, like uh, Romandy in 18... Uh, oh, there's too many. I can't. I can't go through every race. One. He's won basically every race. Um, and then the Vuelta, <laughs> the Giro disappointment in 2019, but on the podium, and then winning the Vuelta that year, and that was Yumbo's first ever Grand Tour victory, I think. Um, pretty sure. And then the Tour de France 2020 was he was the big favorite for it, uh, and he won Tour de La going into it, and then you know the disappointment, then came back and won the Vuelta, won Olympic gold medal, three Vueltas, like he just 80 wins. I'm not sure if all of them were on Yumbo, the pro wins. I think um, a few of them were on Adria Mobile, as I said. But yeah, he's... Basically, he's won everything you want to win as a GC rider, except the Tour de France, yep. which he got really close to in 2021 when he was at an absolute godlike level, which yeah. he's not too far away from at the moment. It's higher in 2020, I reckon, but it's not so far away, no? It's not that far, no. 2020, he was incredible. Like, I think he could have won that race. I really do. Even yeah. with the TT um, en planche de Belfi, he was, yeah, he was really, really good. Um, and he's still incredible. Like, this year winning the Giro, Yumbo, I think, have won, like, every race he's, he's participated in because they won the Vuelta, which he didn't win, but he would have, could have won that as well. So the Giro, Tirreno, Catalonia, Giro de la Emilia, Keeps winning. Yes, he's 34, but like his level, 33, sorry. He's turned 34 in a month, but his level is still outstanding. So I guess that, that's the, the sort of the, the journey with Roglic at Yumbo. They've also, they've gone on to then become a serious GC team very quickly and also won the tour now with Vingegaard. But what what's precipitated this, Benji? Because yeah, like since Vuelta's... Did this just happen from the Vuelta stage 17? Or is this 
has this been simmering in the in the background? I reckon it's been simmering in the background if I look at it externally, because it's also he was always at the top of the the food chain in Jumbo Visma, and that gradually changed when Jonas Vingegaard stepped onto the the forefront to the point that now Jonas Vingegaard is seen as the the ultimate king of GC ridership in the entire peloton. He's the best climber in the world, and that puts Roglic on the second step in the team when it comes to GC. And we see that throughout the year as well, but also we see that, for example, well, obviously if, if Vingegaard wins the Tour and then the next year he wins the Tour again, then Vingegaard can decide what races he wants to ride. But the questions then are, before this season, for example, Roglic chooses to go for the Giro d'Italia because he wants sole leadership. Would he have been offered co-leadership at the Tour de France? I've heard that that's the case. And if that's the case, then he chose the Giro to do sole leadership, which is fine. Like, he ends up winning that Giro, where he shows that he can still win the Grand Tours that he shows up for. The question then is in the Tour de France, like, does it hurt him that he hasn't won the Tour de France? I reckon it does. And does he believe his chance is bigger as a sole leader in a different team? Then as a dual leader with Vingegaard at Jumbo Visma, does he didn't, what is your opinion and what do you think he thinks? Well, that's a, like, that, that's on the assumption he wants to leave, right? And we just assume yeah. he wants to leave because why would Jumbo, you know, just say, oh, okay, bye-bye. Dorado has <laughs> won 70 races with yeah. them and just won a, you know, a grand tour podium to another. And it's, you've seen how good he is. So he clearly wants to leave. And your point is, does it increase his Tour de France win probability by going yep. to another team, we'll discuss which in a second, or being on Jonas Singergaard's team? Now, Seb Kuz win probability for the Volta, I would say increased by being yep. on the team of, of Jambo Visma, but Roglic Volta win probability may be decreased. But it also might just be how the race panned out. So the thing is, that might have been different if. Kuz was not the GC rider necessarily, where Roglic might have been the second rider in yeah. GC, and therefore might have been the one attacking early and create situations like that. Because Kuz got into that position, it's the third rider, and Roglic became kind of the third wheel on the wagon, if that makes any sense, because he was kind of stuck where Jonas was the one to attack because he was the furthest away, and Kuz was ahead, and he was kind of in between there, kind of stuck, because he's also not really the... He's the finisher rider, eh? He's not often the rider that attacks from very far and gains three minutes on a stage. No, he waits and sits and like we saw in Emilia today and then finishes off the job with his 500 meter or 30 second burst. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it increases his Tour de France win probability, if I'm frank. Um, yeah. But he probably wants a team which says, Primoz, you are our tour leader. Tell us the team you want us to bring. Yep. These are the tactics we want to do with you. Are you happy with them? The tactics are all catered around you. No sprinter, no leadouts. You've kind of like the Yumbo Giro, frankly. Exactly. Coy was left home. Yeah. Because uh, I bet if, if Roglic before this year chooses to do the Tour de France as co-leader with Jonas Vinga at the start of the Tour de France 2023, then I believe Olaf Coy starts the Giro. Yeah, probably. Because they need to win some stages. Um, yep. and Otherwise, they have Dumoulin and Foss again. Dumoulin's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, but 
false, yeah, false, yeah, it would be exactly. It'd be Con Bowman and, and who else? So, yeah, you're right. Um, so that's probably what he wants. And that's fair enough. You know, that's fair enough. He's yeah. looking at how many peak years do I have left? I would say he's still in his peak. Um, how many peak years do I have left? He doesn't probably want to run the risk of, yeah, like he just probably just wants to know. Yeah. Even if he gets beaten, that he got um, best out of it. But I still don't think that increases his Tour de France win probability, by the yeah. way. I, but I'm just saying how I think he might be looking at it. Um, he might not want to feel change necessarily to someone else in the team and therefore have things happen that might not be 100% be in his control. He wants control of the situation, is how I see it. To be able to know afterwards that the performance he put was the best he could have put in that race. Does that make any sense? That's why I yeah, do it. I agree. I agree with what you, well, I agree with what you said. Um, I lost a lot of what I was saying halfway through, but if it makes sense, it makes sense. And that, like, I reckon it's probably a good thing for cycling that Roglic and Vingegaard get divided depending oh, on for sure. what happens outside of that with the whole merger thing that is happening with Jumbo Visma and Sudal, the whole rumor towards that. Now, around that, the question then is, is this a good thing for Jumbo Visma? And I'm like, well, losing one of your two leaders is not necessarily a good thing. I think they're still fine with Vingegaard, but there's also the possibility that someone else joins. Like, it all depends on what happens with this entire merger room. Yeah. Like, if Remco joins as second leader, then I'd happily trade Roglic for Remco. I will say, Remco is not at Roglic's level in GC no. terms at this point, but... He's way more future-proof than Roglic is. Yeah, and also there's an, a big Ardennes gap in the Umbo team. Like in the Ardennes, <laughs> yes. they have not performed at the standard. But, they have performed that in the Cobble Club. Obviously, Remco is not just for Ardennes, let's be real. So geez, it'd be for it's GC. It's a choice, or, eh? Yeah. Within Yumbo, Roglic can do the Ardennes and be good at them, eh? He can, but Remco on Liège on, you know, <laughs> yeah. pretty comfortably, like... Um, but for G but Remco's also a GC rider. Um, but you're right. I agree. Roglic, if you said, okay, one week race, next week, balance parkour, who are you taking? On on this year's evidence, you would have to take Roglic. Um, it's just because he, yeah, he gets the job done 99.9% .9 of the time if he has no crashes or incidents. So with that being said, Benji, could Yambo have avoided this? Because I don't think... Like, Roglic won a lot of World Tour races this year, man. Catalonia, mm -hmm. Tirreno, two Vuelta stages, third in the Vuelta, Burgos. Um, that's a lot of wins out the door, high-level wins. Yeah. And without him, you don't do the Grand Tour triple. Could they have avoided this? Should they have avoided this? Or is this a case of, like with Corona Vegan, let's, you don't want to have an unhappy rider in, in the team um, if it's best for everybody. We go our separate ways. I fully agree that the best thing to do in Yumbo's situation is a mutual agreement to have Roglic leave if he's unhappy there. I don't want riders imprisoned in a team in the same way that I didn't want them to be imprisoned at DSM when we had all those cases of DSM riders disappearing to other teams during their contract. In the same way that I don't want Roglic to feel stuck in Yumbo Visma so that he feels free to do whatever he wants in cycling. Yes, contracts matter. But if there's a mutual agreement, then it's probably better for both teams and the relay. The atmosphere within the team will also be better as a consequence, I reckon. But that being said, 
Was it inevitable or could it have been avoided by adapting the race schedule and so forth? I think that's hard because if you go to the Tour de France with, let's say Roglic chooses to do the Tour de France at the start of the year as co-leader with Vingegaard, which would have been an option, then you look at that and you're like, there's a large, situ there's a large chance that Vingegaard just straight up wins in the same way he does and Roglic once again feels like he's a, a, second, a second wheel on the, on the one-wheeled car. That's a very weird impression, expression, but I just said it anyway. Like, he, he would feel a bit redundant in that Tour de France, I reckon. And that would also probably lead to him, to him thinking, maybe I should go to another team. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if... I bet if the team decided at the Vuelta, we're all racing for it, it wouldn't have changed, mattered at all for this, I reckon. Yeah, I, I think the Vuelta also from, you know, the Yumbo's perspective, you'd be looking at that third week thinking, wow, about to win our third Grand Tour with a 1-2-3 on the podium, and this has turned into a complete soap opera. Um, yeah. And they probably don't want to have... Imagine that playing out in the Tour next year again. Like the Tour is a different yeah. beast. They've got the Netflix cameras there. Um, so... Maybe it's a bit of that as well. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's more a case of you don't like these guys have to do altitude camps four months a year. They've got to weigh every gram of food. That requires a high degree of internal motivation. And if a rider's not motivated because they feel like the structure isn't the best for them, then they're not, it's not the best for the team. It's not the best for the rider. And so with Groner Vegan, you know, he got to go to Jayco. He won a Tour de France stage there, got to go to the Tour. Yeah. And with Roglic, it looks to be much of the same. And then the last thing that you could think of when it comes to was it avoidable, could it have been avoided by not sending Jonas Vingegaard to the Vuelta in the first place? But that was decided before Roglic even yeah. started the Giro. It was in so, November. So if, if it's decided in November last year, which was the case, then that's not a discussion. Roglic knew that before the year started. So it's not that they decided that after the Tour de France. Some people are insinuating that publicly, but that's just not the case. So... I'm looking at that like, okay, what would give Roglic and not Vingegaard the right to do two Grand Tours as, as main leader of Jumbo? Why should Vingegaard stop himself from saying, I want to ride the Vuelta? Vingegaard is the, is the real king of Jumbo Visma at the moment. Then they, they can say what, what they want about Roglic is our king. Yeah, in, in the past, he has carried the team definitely, but Vingegaard is the, the, top, is the top dog in the team. And in my opinion, his race schedule and desires matter more than Roglic in this year. Well, yeah, like, if you win the Tour twice, and this year he won the Tour by, what, seven and a half minutes? No co-leader. <laughs> Fuck, man. I'm sorry, but he's the best Grand Tour rider in the world, and yep. he's only 26, so... But yeah, that's... I, I understand it from both sides. Um, yep. And anyway... Let's get to the, the juicy stuff, which is where is he going to go? <laughs> um, because Daniel Benson over at GCN, uh, he, has, he did a tweet basically listing, doing a short list of seven teams where Roglic might go. And we'll start with, let me just get rid of a couple. <laughs> uh, Bahrain, they got no money. They've not yeah. signed anyone that costs any like money for year, uh, two years. Exactly. That's the thing, eh? Like, we're, uh, people are saying, like, okay, there's, like, uh, the, the Bahraini government, they've got a lot of money, they're investing all in this team. That's seemingly not the case, eh, based on no. their transfer policy the last few years. And even with Landa going, 
maybe that Lander money could come in, but that's not that's by far not enough to to sign Roglic at the moment. So that's not happening. And there's quite a bit of teams on that list that I never really believed in. There was a, a big Movistar rumor also on the list where I think it was Highland in Belgium. There's no way you go there because they they have neither money nor performance. Yeah. Neither of two things. Exactly. And like a team that Rolex will want to go to, in my eyes, is a team that has a good TT setup to begin with. Yeah. So I'm already scrapping all the teams that don't have a good TT setup. Like Israel is still in the running, but I just don't see it happening. He's not, he's still so good. Like, yeah. okay, he's, yeah, he's 30, nearly turning 34, but he's not where Froome was. Like, yep. if I was Israel, though, I would, I would offer him the, a huge bag because yeah. if you get Roglic, you're getting promoted. So you, you're getting promoted in two years and yep. he takes you straight to Grand Tour relevancy and Classics relevancy. So, of course, they should go for it, but he'd be looking at that factors, TT setup, the general performance culture, and be like, no, this is not the level it needs to be. So we're, we're, unless he really just wants a huge bag. Um, but the problem is, well, no, not the problem. The problem for Israel is, yes, that there are other big teams with advantages who will also probably offer big money. I thought Jayco was actually a, a dark horse because they mm -hmm. got the Alula Saudi money. And they also have a great TT setup. They are yeah. a GC-focused team. They've even won a Grand Tour in the last five years. They denied a deal, according to Benson. So we've scrapped Israel, Movistar, Jaco, Bahrain. Little I thought were a really strong candidate in theory, but yeah. they're probably they're probably looking at their their roster. Ben, you think, fuck, why do we give all this money away in in yeah. April? It's true, because like, <laughs> they spent so much money early in the transfer season, and we had this discussion last year with the B&B collapse. Very different story with all the, the leftover riders and potential merging rumors and so forth at the moment. That there's just so many uncertainties on the market, yeah. where Little has now signed all these riders, and they might be like, ooh, my wallet is empty. And I will, personal opinion, I reckon Little probably just doesn't have the money anymore to, no. to sign Roglic. And... There's only a limited amount of teams that do have the money left. Bora and Ineos. And Bora have won a Grand Tour as recently as last year. Am I mm -hmm. right? Last year, Hindley beat Carapaz, 2022. And Ineos won a lot of Grand Tours in the past. Um, and, you know, they got a good TT set up with Pinarello and Bigham there as well. They both got money. Bora, I think the, the Bora, the company, extended their contract with the team till what, 27, 28? Yeah. Um, they've also, are, they missed out on Pidcock. They offered him the bag, I heard. Um, they've been, the guys they signed, not cheap. So mm -hmm. they have to have money. Hindley, Vlasov was not cheap. Igita would not have been cheap. And now Martinez, even if it's one year, I know that's not cheap. Um, and so for Roglic, for them, if you're looking at, like, Vlasov is not the solution. Mm -hmm. This is last year, next year. Hinley, I think, is is their best GC rider. Kian is developing. But Roglic just slots straight in there. Gets on the special yep. TT setup. So it makes, there's a slot there uh, at Bora. I agree. And it's also, like, it's also the, the philosophy of their transfer policies of the last few years. They've been signing these tier two, tier three GC riders over the years that you just mentioned. But... After winning the Giro, they're just looking to win the Tour de France. And Olaf Denk has mentioned that numerous yeah. times now. It's the ultimate so, goal of anything. Exactly. Now, whether Roglic will win the Tour de France 
at any point in the future, it's going to be really difficult against Vingegaard and Pogacar. That's for certain. But it's the closest thing you're going to get to a Grand Tour, Tour de France potential candidate at the moment on the market is Roglic. So that's also an indicator to me where that fits in that whole ID process. There's also numerous other reasons. I've had some conversations with potential insiders that were saying they were suddenly really excited about a merger last week. So who knows? <laughs> um, that might also be a, a part of that story. That might also be a small hint at that. But also next to that, I reckon it was Daniel Friebe who posted on, a, on Twitter that... He did some he sleuthing. A, <laughs> mate, the dude has a picture Sherlock of a Holmes. wall. <laughs> of a wooden wall with wooden panels Free with a random bolt. tree in front of it <laughs> yeah exactly and he he went on the search of which building that was crazy because that's where roglic was spotted and turns out that was the uh the red bull athletic center in in salzburg, in, salzburg. In, in austria and i looked up that building and the wall looks exactly the same as the picture with the trees in front of it i'm absolutely mind blown and i gotta be honest it's been a few days now, three, four days where I've really tunnel visioned on Bora being the actual team that Roglic would, would end up going to. Like ever since the rumors that he was going to be leaving, I felt like Bora was a good candidate because all those things combined is the case. So I'm so tunnel visioned that I'm not even looking at Ineos anymore, but we got to look at it because maybe yeah. I'm too tunnel visioned. Well, it depends. Maybe they played Anna Kleinenach music for him at Salzburg. Um... By the way. They also tried with Remco, eh? They also tried, what yeah, was it? The, X amount of million. Bora are happy to just go get a, something from another team. They don't want to just like develop in their own structure too much. Um, yeah. So that's Bora. I agree. Makes a lot of sense. Rulers, big question marks, i got to say, uh, with Pollitt leaving. Good luck yeah. with that. But Hinley, Hinley can be, he, that is a, that's literally a super domestique, a man who's won a Grand Tour. Yes, but he needs to want to as well. So it's kind yeah. of like, Blasov and Hindley didn't sign up at Bora Blasov to be a super domestic. <laughs> no chance he does it. Contract Brooks, I feel like won't be a problem because I okay. reckon he can ride the Giro while Roglic can ride the Tour de France. Yeah. And he's already hinted at the next couple of years that he is trying to show off in the, in the last Vuelta for Bora and for other teams that he can yeah. ride a top 10 NGC in three they weeks. They need so, to extend Hindley and then he goes to Tour with Roglic. But I'm Hindley and I don't have a big extension. No, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. But I'm, maybe I'm a bad person. Um, <laughs> Ineos, the, the sort of the elephant in the room. What are they doing? Like everyone, a lot of people have been asking, where's the, where's the podcast, etc. And, you know, there was the bombshell last Sunday from Kirchhoff's. Patrick Lefebvre said uh, in his article today that there in should be luck? some news in three days or two days or something. Yeah. Um, that this that can't go on for much longer. But Ineos and Movistar, they, they've announced no renewals. The day after, last, last Monday after the Vila Flitz article, Benson reported that Ineos suddenly sent the draft contracts out to people. Don't know if it's a coincidence to the, to the extensions. I heard they were trying to merge, there was talks about merging with Movistar. Now, how that makes any sense when they just had a, not, maybe not antagonistic, but a, a fight over Carlos Rodriguez a month yeah. and a half ago, uh, I mean, they, they, so neither announced any renewals. They got, Movistar have seven riders on the contract for next year publicly. And then Ineos, yeah, it's like, what are they doing? So they could be trying to merge with Movistar. Maybe not. Probably a bit late for that. I and feel like no, I... Uh, it makes no sense. <laughs> I read an article by, um, in Marca, 
I'm trying to find it while I'm talking from a guy named Nacho. Nacho La Varga, uh, yeah, he's the yeah. he's the mark of big cycling journal. He's really good at those like Movistar yeah. Spanish centered storylines, and he really went through the potential cyclists that they're signing, the potential cyclists that they could renew and so forth, and. That story made sense to the point that I do not believe in a merger with Ineos. Yeah, because we would have heard more stuff by now because they got to submit documents in two weeks to the UCI. It would have leaked. Exactly. So I don't believe in that merger anymore. I believe Movistar and Ineos will just go separately. The question mark is, what will those teams look like? Movistar, I feel like I've got a, a better idea of Movistar than I do about Ineos because Ineos is kind of like... Well, it makes, makes no sense, right? So let's say they're not merging. Yeah. Say Ineos, their plan is to hang out for Remco yeah. or Roglic. They want to get one of Remco or Roglic out of either the merger or, the, or Roglic leaving. Yeah. That doesn't stop you announcing the renewals. That's one yeah. or maximum two riders if you somehow get both. Doubt it. So why couldn't you announce the renewals? So I don't, that's what I don't understand why neither team is, they're not obliged to mm -hmm. announce them, but. It's just very strange to me. So Ineos is obviously a natural landing destination for Primoz Roglic. Yes, Grant Thomas has had a great level in the Giro d'Italia, but ultimately for someone to win one week, to some, for someone to win Healy Classics, for someone to contest for the Tour de France podium or maybe win, Roglic is a, a step above Grant Thomas. And so yes. it, would, it makes sense that they can get him there. They might even think they can improve his TT, all-round TT setup. It's also the Olympics next year, which is big for that team. And they could get three guys of their team on the Olympic podium if Remco has a bad day. I don't know. Rolish Ganatarling. So it's a natural landing destination for them. And you can re rinse and repeat Thomas at the Giro. Rodriguez, super domestique like Bernal was for Thomas and Froome back in the day. They've got probably better rulers than, uh, mm -hmm. than Bora. They've got yep. the know-how. The, uh, that is, people do say that. They got the know-how. Do they have the know-how? Um, I feel like they, I feel like they have the know-how when it comes to the preparation for the riders and so forth. But I am less trustworthy in their tactics being too traditional at this point. Although the tactics can be traditional with Roglic because he is the kind of rider that you put on the back of the train, go to the last kilometer with, and sprint away in the last five meters. Oh, he fits meters. the system perfectly. Exactly. So tactically, he really fits well in that team. But. <sighs> There's just Do they have the money? That... We assume they have the money. Yeah. But the purse strings I've heard have gotten a little bit tight or tighter than they have been. And Thomas even said this on What's Occurring recently. He said, everyone assumes we're just the biggest budget, but I'll tell you, things are not run the same way they were at Sky, whereas, hey, you want this? Open check. Well, here you go. It's a little bit different now. So with Sivakov out, Gegenhard out, Yates out, big money's gone out, and Carapaz of Tony Martinez, fuck. Oh, yeah. This is, a, we're talking maybe f 12, 15 million euros plus they haven't matched yeah. out the door. Now, maybe that's freed up a slot. Maybe that's because the budget's constricted. I don't know. Um, but in theory, they could get the money if they go to Ratcliffe and say, hey, you want to contest the Tour de France next year? We got our guy. Here he is. Now, to complete the storyline when it comes to Ineos, I do feel like we need to talk about the, the rumor about the Yumbo Visma, Quickstep, Sudal, not Sudal, Quickstep. I just switched oh, but just, but just on that, do you yeah. think, which team would you pick if you were Roglic? Between? Any of them. Oh. But between Bora and Ineos, I think they're the two. Yeah. I, 
I like the idea of Bora more. Okay. But he really does fit the system of Ineos. So it's kind of like... I'd pick Bora. I think they're better tactically. I, I agree that they're better tactically, but does, do, does he need crazy tactics? He needs boring tactics. True. And so then it's just who has the better riders to be a bubble around you, right? And is deliver it, you. Is it a myth that Roglic needs races with less kilojoules than Vingegaard, for example? Oh, on I mean, major mountain stages. Yeah, I mean, Vingegaard's a monster. You can put 7,000 kilojoules in that guy. <laughs> <laughs> just do six yeah. miles per kilo for 15 minutes. Yeah, but... Ineos is very skilled in, in fake, fake pacing. <laughs> yeah, like so, in, on Paso Jao. Yeah, like put that on, on Tirano right. on the climbs, for example. Pluski all day. I generally reckon that Ineos tactically would fit him really okay. well, extremely well, but I'd like to see him at Bora instead. I think Ineos might be like, we got to, this will hinder... I think it would take heat off Rodriguez and Pidcock. Is Pidcock going to do Olympics next year? Half the team's fucking around the Olympics next year, right? So yeah. you bring Roglic in, he takes the heat off those guys to perform, going to win some races. He probably won't win the Tour, might not win the Tour, but he's going to win some races. It allows Rodriguez to develop it more, allows Pidcock to develop a bit more, and then, then Pidcock has to perform at the Tour in 2025, 26 instead of 24. Whereas Bora, they're like, well, Henley went for the Tour. I know he crashed. But Mate. Hinley, Bora do not think Vlasov, surely they do not think Vlasov is the solution to win the tour. We forgot the most important part of this entire discussion. When Sagan was at this team, what did he do all the time? That was excellent. Oh, yeah. Advertisements for weird. Bora and Hansgrohe. Half naked in the shower with a bike. Roglic is not going to do that. He's going to be like, this is the most stupidest thing. Eh? <laughs> no, he will. I think, I think he'll do the same. <laughs> and they'll just put it. They'll just put it up. That <laughs> <laughs> bloody brilliant! Like the Morton ad, like the Morton ad, like the Morton ad did with him. Not a plug, not a plug. But maybe he did the Morton ad this year, where he was like, yeah. <laughs> like this is Morton." <laughs> it actually got more. It got more engagement. Yeah, it actually gets more engagement. Anyway, um, sorry, you're going to move on, Benji, to, to draw a bow on it. I think this is sep This is separate to the the, the Rolex thing. Is confirmed is happening. Yes, but it's not completely separate. As okay. In I agree. Oh, like Ineos are waiting, you mean? Exactly. I believe that oh, Roglic they could get regardless or someone. of the merger rumors, but I think Ineos might be waiting to the conclusion of what happens with Remco in all of this, because it's a complex situation. I've been trying to figure out all it the details and so forth. It seems to change every so day. Forth. Every day exactly. there's a different article saying a different thing is happening. Exactly. My idea of it is that Remco was at Sudal Quickstep. He's attached to Bacala, who was the main investor of Quicksteps, paying agent, which is kind of like, um, how do I, is it like the company that is paying for the riders? He's attached to that company that is paying for the riders. Is that a right way to say it? Yeah, Dekolev. Okay. Bacala well, owns the majority he, of shares in Dekolev. He's attached to that paying agent. His future is dependent on what happens on that with that paying agent, because as long as he's attached to that, he can't go around and check out our teams, no? Yeah, you need permission. So under the UCR rules, you can't, as an agent, 
you can't shop your rider to other teams for the period in which your rider's contracted. Of course, you can say, hey, his contract is, is ending on this year. Are you interested for the years after? But for the current yeah. period when they have a valid contract, you need permission. Of course, maybe people <laughs> um, don't always follow the rules, but technically, yeah, you need permission from the team itself. You need their blessing to go and solicit offers for the period for which you're contracted. Because like Roglic's situation is that there was a buyout outside of his contract. Remco's situation is that he's got that contract with that paying agent, but if that paying agent gets merged into exist. a team, for example, or ceases to exist, depending on how that works, if it ceases to exist, then he can probably go shopping around. Is it possible that the paying agent gets merged with Yumbo or Visma or no, whatever? No, that's impossible. Because only so, one, only one, you can't have multiple... Yeah. UCI light well to a license holder. So, so one Remco can always the merger choose. is merger is kind of a like in terms of at a legal structure level, the, the yeah. notion of a merger is almost impossible because one has to be sold off or yeah. disappears into the ether. The world tour licenses I'm talking about here. Um and, and you're right. So if that paying agent ceases I think Brunil tweeted it, the paying agent ceases to exist or changes. Remco's contract or either UCI model contract, you can look it up yourself on the regulations. Technically, I think um, means his contract doesn't exist; it's invalid or terminated. So he can he's effectively on the free market at that point. But if that that's the annoying thing for me, because if the paying agent refuses to ex well, re it's just gone suddenly. How are all the riders that are in that paying agent? going to be rewarded for the rest of their contract well you can sell it you can sell that holding company and so another company can just come in and it's just a new owner you can call it what you want call the team what you want get new sponsors um the uci is also not never going to allow you to just do to just basically cease have that paying agent yeah. cease to exist and put those riders yeah, yeah. and stuff on the street that's also exactly. just not going to happen um yeah, so that, that, but that's the tricky thing, and it's September 30th right now. Um, but yeah, Patrick Lefebvre wrote in his article today that he's, he kind of, I, I didn't read the thing in full because my Dutch, you know, it is good, Benji, as you know, but <laughs> not quite getting there. Is in a, a, HLN, no? What, what, sorry? Where's yeah, his article? Newsblood, Newsblood, Newsblood. Newsblood, sorry, is that, are they enemies? Ooh, um, they're fighting. <laughs> okay, he's in Newsblood, but yeah, he. He, I, he seemed to be a bit unsure of what was happening, to be honest. It seems a little bit... But he said... Didn't he give it... He gave a three-day deadline. Yeah. He basically said that uh, hopefully this doesn't last for three more days. Okay. Which... It's a lot of work in the next three days. Because he said Bacala is coming to Europe. There was a, a letter of intent signed towards this merger. He said there's a letter of intent said. to yeah, for the merger. But there's no conclusion to it yet. And I reckon the conclusion is going to decide what Remco can do whether he can go shopping for other teams or not, because that is what I think some of the right. other teams might be waiting for. Okay, so as that's in, your point. Yeah, <laughs> that was difficult to get there, but... Well, no, 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 it's there. important to know. So Ineos <laughs> and these other teams like Sharks, and I heard also from another World Tour rider on none of the teams we mentioned, contacted me saying, hey, a lot of teams, not even any of the teams we mentioned, have completely frozen all contract talks. Yep. Frozen. Like, and, and I'm not talking for big riders here. I'm talking for guys on maybe 100 to 200K. Guys filling out the 20th to 30th spot on the roster. These it's teams. Logically. Yeah, because they were, okay, what if 
Quickstep ceased to exist and all these riders flood the market. Why am I going to pay you 150 if I can get... Um, let me pick a decent enough rider. Masnada? Nah, won't pay more 150. Um, <laughs> if I can Jesus. get if I can get Cataneo for 150. Wow. No, but Benji, if there's a if there's suddenly yeah. 25 ride 20 riders hit the market at once and everyone's done their budget already, this is what happens. Yeah, the guys get underpaid if that happened. So I and think all, the so day, all these teams always... are like, nothing's happening until we know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the one thing I hate about all these merger rumors is that I reckon at the end of the day, there's always going to be a price paid by riders and staff in general. There's always going to be someone losing their job, whether it's staff or riders maybe getting underpaid by losing their contract with a certain team. So from that side, it's not good for the sport. From the side of Roglic leaving Yambo next to that situation, but also Remco potentially joining Yambo, I don't think it changed the entertainment level necessarily. I think it's just the same situation with those two GC riders at Yambo. I so, think it's more interesting. Is it? Yeah, because you have two new people in a different environment. Yeah. You have Roglic in a different environment. He's going to go against Fingergaard in the tour. We know you would know that. And then how will Remco go in a new environment? You know, yeah, yeah. Obviously, if everyone was on different teams, that would be fantastic um, yeah. for viewers. But, but to your point, yes, and it, someone will usually lose out when this happens. And it might not even be the rise we're talking about. It might be the Conti rider who thought he was getting a Neo Pro contract suddenly gets told you're not getting it. Who's not affiliated to yeah. any of these teams because Astana all of a sudden picked up Masnada, as you said, yeah, for cheaper than they thought they could normally. Um, but who knows what will happen. Uh, the weekend is long, and if Lefebvre is to be believed, there could be resolution, maybe if not publicly, on uh, on the first, which is how many how many days are in September? He said the Pretty first, well. but maybe he said Monday. Maybe he doesn't know that there's a there's not a thirty first day. I also didn't know in September. Um, <laughs> these things are difficult to understand, but yeah, <laughs> we will do. So the podcast coming up Wednesday. Lombardia preview when whatever happens with this merger non-merger with Yumbo oh by the way I forgot to mention Amazon was also mooted by Kirchhoff's to be coming in to Yumbo Visma but we'll do that another time when the, that news is confirmed by somebody yeah. we will do an emergency pod for that when Roglic team is announced we will do an emergency pod for that um, is, there any, is there anything else that could happen? We will we'll eventually do a transfer podcast in general next to that, yeah. I reckon. We're also planning loads of off-season content, so we're not disappearing after Lombardia and, and our, our memorable Huangxi coming up as well, eh? One pod. <laughs> we're not doing dailies. I love apparently. how two weeks ago you were trying to send me to no, China. you said you didn't want to do Huangxi each dailies. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're also but... probably going to Ruler Live as well and doing a, a presenting there. So block out your calendars. I think that's November 2nd to 4th. We'll let you know more details uh, in due course, but we've, we've got that in the works as well. Um, but yeah, we'll provide more details later. So yeah, well, a lot happening hey, this offseason. Hey, you can have that up a bit more. It's our first live show. 
No, I know, but uh, we'll do a proper. I just we only organized. I only organized a couple of days ago. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, when I, when we've got the details, I'll, I'll hype it up more. Don't worry. I just <laughs> in case people were booking their Mykonos holiday on that weekend, cancel it. Um, yeah. Anyway, wow, big off season, Benji. Uh, <laughs> have I been on holiday as well? Did I feel people in where I was? I, have we I done a pod since I was were. on holiday? I went to Sevilla, I went to Cordoba, went to Madrid, went to Granada, saw lots of um, Yeah, but yeah, why religious sites. did you go to so many different places instead of staying in one? Because I wanted to see the Alhambra in Granada, I wanted to see mm -hmm. the mosque slash cathedral in Cordoba, I wanted to see the palace in, and cathedral in Sevilla. Um, I was thinking of starting an art TikTok account, Benji. Um, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> this man has become a TikTok man all over. I am a TikToker, yeah. Uh, I've anyway. become basically a British citizen. True, you're living since in the our UK. Last podcast. I moved to the UK officially. So, um. Well, that's when all this merger stuff was happening. It was like, <laughs> I'm in the middle of the south of Spain with Airbnb <laughs> Wi Fi, and you're in the Euro, you're in the Euro tunnel somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to take a week off. We normally block Mate. this week out. This week's off because, oh, nothing's going to happen here. Exactly. And like the week started like moving to the UK, but yesterday I had the worst fucking day of the entire year where I, I drove back to Belgium with the car with which I moved because my parents would need the car for their work. And then I, in the same day, went back from Belgium to the UK with a train. So I've been gone for 17 hours of traveling yesterday. I'm completely fucked. Anyway, we live. And Life's we tough for podcasters. It's basically the, if you want to, yeah. <laughs> Life's tough. Alrighty. Thanks for listening as always. Let us know where you think Roglic is going in the comments down below and we'll see you. Nothing happens with the Lombardia preview next week. Uh, until then, ciao. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.